Drought where you least expect it. That and other stories for the week ending May 31st, 2015. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. Last week saw flooding across a wide area of Oklahoma and Texas. According to meteorologists, enough rain has fallen in Texas during May that it could cover the entire state with eight inches of water. 22 people have died in Texas, and President Obama has declared it a major disaster area. When he was in Dallas, the chief weather forecaster for ABC News stated that it was mind-boggling to see so much rainfall so far away from the Gulf of Mexico. Meanwhile, moderate drought is occurring in New England, even after a winter of record-setting snowfall. Farmers are concerned, and even drought-tolerant asparagus is being irrigated in parts of Massachusetts. Some farmers can't plant because the ground is so dry, but others are planting in areas that are usually underwater at this time of year. The National Weather Service is predicting drought conditions to persist or intensify this summer in all of Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts, and in other parts of the Northeast. In parts of India last week, there was much-needed rain on May 31st, but it looked as though the relief may only be temporary. The deadliest heat wave in two decades has killed about 2,200 people. Sadly, hundreds of poor die every year in the summer from heat, but this year more have succumbed already than during a typical year. Last week, a study was released showing that treatments used in cleaning wastewater may actually be creating new antibiotics and contributing to the development of bacteria that are drug-resistant. Researcher Olya Keen from North Carolina University at Charlotte has been studying one widely used antibiotic, doxycycline. Her findings show that chlorine used to treat wastewater changes the makeup of the drug and forms new antibiotics. Antibiotics get into wastewater from people in hospitals dumping unused drugs down the drain and from the human body not breaking them down. Bacteria in streams become immune to them, leading to the development of more dangerous superbacteria. So far, the study has been done on controlled samples of the antibiotic and chlorine, but now the task will be to use real-world wastewater samples. Last December, a consortium of 12 research institutes released figures on the amount of plastic swirling in our oceans. The answer? over 5 trillion particles. That's a tough number to visualize, but Marcus Erickson of the Five Gyres Institute says it's like stacking plastic bottles from here to the moon and back twice. He calls it plastic smog because the pieces resemble confetti and are so dispersed they create a thin layer near the ocean's surface. What's more, ocean gyres, networks of currents that circulate water, act like giant blenders, shredding the plastic into smaller and smaller bits, making them near impossible to find and clean up. Until now, perhaps, the world's first passive system to collect plastic pollution is set to be deployed near Japan in 2016. The Ocean Cleanup Array, the brainchild of Boyan Slat, a Dutch 20-year-old, is a long floating barrier moored to the seabed that gathers plastic moving in ocean currents. The proposed location for the One Mile Array is Shoshima Island, and they're evaluating whether the plastic collected can then be used as an alternative energy source. Critics argue that prevention, 
stopping the plastic trash before it reaches waterways and oceans is a more sustainable way to stop ocean pollution. For example, after San Jose, California banned plastic bags in 2012, bag litter in the city's storm drains dropped by almost 90 percent, and 60 percent fewer bags were found in creeks and rivers, which of course would have ended up in our oceans. And finally this week, speaking of the ocean, many of us will be headed to the beach this summer, getting our fill of surf, salt spray, and sandcastles. And what trip to the coast would be complete without saltwater taffy? Yes, the sticky sweet treat sold in souvenir boxes stamped with coastal destinations. A unique gift because it's made with seawater, right? Mm, not so much. That's a romanticized version. Legend has it that saltwater taffy was invented by David Bradley in Atlantic City, New Jersey in the late 19th century after his boardwalk candy shop was flooded during a big storm. The water covered a batch of taffy he was making before he fled for higher ground. The next morning, when a customer asked to buy taffy, Bradley joked that all he had to offer was saltwater taffy. And the rest is history, as they say. Whether they're pulling taffy or pulling our leg, it's still yummy stuff. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado Waterwise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org.